0: People of God, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful thing it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning with you, to be planted here, even as we've just sung, to be planted here by the Lord Himself. Psalm 92 is indeed a song that sets the stage for much of today's, uh, this morning's sermon, and as well this evening, Lord willing. And not just because it is, as the title suggests to us, it is a psalm for the Sabbath day, but because of the description that it presents to us of the church, or as we have sung, those that be planted in the house of the Lord, They shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. In other words, it presents to us a description of the fruitfulness of God's people. That as we, through Jesus Christ, come to be planted in the Lord's house, He, by His Spirit, causes us to bear spiritual fruit. With that then, please turn with me in your copy of God's Word to the New Testament book of Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, and we'll be reading uh, from verses 16 through 25. Well, what is the fruit of the Spirit, and why is it important and indeed essential to produce this fruit for the Christian life. How do we produce the fruit of the Spirit? These are things uh, that I hope to consider with you this morning and Lord willing again this evening. Uh, So with that in mind, let's hear the word of the Lord from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. Please give your attention to the reading of God's most holy word. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. People of God, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen. May God be pleased to command a blessing upon the reading, the hearing, and so too now the preaching of his most holy word. Let us pray once again to that end. Our God and our Father, apart from Thee and Thy Spirit, we can do nothing. We ask Thee, O God, to look upon us in Your mercy. Be with Your servant, O God. Be with us, we pray. Be pleased to be in this place. Let Your Word go forth with power. And feed your precious lambs. We ask these things through Christ and for his sake. Amen. Our passage in Galatians 5 this morning is pretty clearly divided up between two stark contrasts. We have works and fruit. And when we think of work, we instinctively think of a worker earning wages. When we work for someone, we are putting them into our debt. We are owed something in return. But it's interesting that when Paul, when contrasting works and fruit in Romans 6, he asks this question. He says, What fruit had you then in those things whereof you're now ashamed? Speaking of the works of the flesh, what fruit had you? In other words, what did it produce in your life? The answer, nothing. Nothing. And yet, worse than nothing, for the end of those things, he goes on to say, is death. For the wages of sin, he says, the wages which we earn by these works, which we do in service to the flesh, is death. But the gift, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this contrast between wages and gift, which Paul builds in Romans, it's the very same contrast which he is presenting for us in, in our passage in Galatians 5 this morning. We have works and fruit, the works of the flesh which we commit, the wages for which is death, and the fruit of the Spirit, which only He can produce, which is the gift of God only He can provide. So how is it possible then that this fruit, which only the Holy Spirit can produce, how is it possible that this can be manifest in our lives, particularly in light of the fact that all we are able to produce in our own strength is the worthless and rotten fruit of the lusts of our own flesh? The remedy which the Word of God presents to us, friends, to not fulfill the lust of the flesh is bookended in our passage we have just read this morning. In verses 16 and 25, it is to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Verse 16, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but you shall produce the fruit of the Spirit. And I suppose it stands to reason that to walk in the Spirit, you must first have the Spirit. To be indwelt with God's Spirit. And all this to walk in the Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit. These are the outworkings, friends, of your union with Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ said Himself in John chapter 15, He said, He that abideth in Me, or He that is united to Me, and I to Him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without Me you can do nothing. And brothers and sisters, the reason... We have so much difficulty denying our flesh and mortifying the flesh is because we do not truly realize that the flesh has been crucified. We do not truly understand what it means, in other words, to abide in Christ, to be united to Christ. And it's so interesting that when Christ speaks to you, brothers and sisters, of the present reality of your condition, that you are in union with Him, that You do abide in him. It comes to you in the form of an imperative, almost by way of a reminder. He says, abide in me. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. You cannot mortify a single sin unless you abide in Me. You cannot walk in the Spirit unless you abide in Me. You cannot produce this fruit of the Spirit unless you abide in Me. And so, brothers and sisters, if you are helplessly struggling with constantly sowing to your flesh, if the only fruit you are seeing in your life is Is that rotten fruit worth only to be thrown into the fire and burned? If you have forgotten or have not yet fully realized the glory and the wonder of what it means to be united to Jesus, apart from whom you can do nothing, then hear again the imperative He is placing upon all of us here this morning. Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ, and you will bear much fruit. Friends, we must examine ourselves. What, what fruit are you producing in your life? Is it the rotten fruit of the works of the flesh that evidences you are sowing to the flesh, or is it the fruit of the Spirit that truly evidences that you are abiding in the vine? Paul says in our text in Galatians 5.24 that they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with all the affections. And lust, that is, that sin no longer has dominion over you. If you belong to Christ, then you are no longer a slave to sin. And the evidence that this crucifixion of your flesh has truly taken place is not that you now live a life of perfect sinlessness, but that you are now living a life of ongoing and enduring repentance and obedience. Ongoing and enduring or persistent repentance and obedience. And so in light of how we may grow in our cultivation of the fruit of the Spirit, this morning I want to divide the sermon up into these three simple headings. The fruit of repentance, the fruit of obedience, and the fruit of endurance. Let's all examine ourselves then by considering first the fruit of repentance. As we think about a fruitful union with Jesus Christ, firstly, we must understand that the concept of being united to Christ is not in any way a metaphor for something else. That is, to speak of union with Christ is not an illustration. Union with Christ is the reality And the various ways that Scripture speaks of this union are the analogies and the illustrations. Peter, for example, in 1 Peter 2, speaks of Christ as the rock or the foundation. And you, as the church, are the building upon which, upon him who who is being built. In Ephesians, again, uh, Paul speaks of Christ as the head and you, as the church, being his body joined to him. And as we've just considered from John 15, our Lord Himself tells us that He is the vine and you are the branches. And the truth He is conveying here is spelled out in John 15:4 and 5, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. A building without a foundation will crumble. It cannot stand. A body without a head will die. It it cannot live. And a branch that does not abide in the vine will not bear fruit. It can do nothing. And likewise, you, brothers and sisters, unless you abide in Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. But if you abide in Him, you will bear much fruit. And I want us to think about this just for a moment, friends. Our salvation is only made possible because Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, became incarnate and took upon Himself our very same human flesh in order to really and fully stand in our place of judgment. Now, your union with Christ does not mean that you likewise partake of His divine nature, but you are, you are filled with all the fullness of Christ and that you fully partake of all His benefits and His merits. Just as a branch must abide in the vine to have the organic nutrients and life pumped into it to bear fruit, in the very same way, through your union with Christ, you have the very same spirit and life of Christ indwelling you and animating you so that, as Paul says in Galatians 4, Christ Himself is being formed in you. And so as you abide in Christ, you will bear much fruit. If a man abide not in me, Christ says, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. In the book of Luke, when John the Baptist was preparing the way for the earthly ministry of Jesus, he warned his hearers, saying, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth forth not good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. But what did he say before this? Bring forth, therefore, fruit worthy of repentance, Worthy of repentance. Friends, we cannot pay lip service to God. He does not tell us to just say a few trivial words with our lips, a half-hearted, I'm sorry, and then all is well, but to bring forth, therefore, fruit worthy of repentance. That is, evident of repentance. That is, make your repentance evident by the fruit which a genuine repentance will manifest in your life. This is why the whole concept behind a so called sinner's prayer is is such a travesty. Because it demands nothing of the sinner. We reduce true repentance down to a few magic words or incantation. That if we just say this two or three sentence formula, hocus pocus, basically, then that's it. Easy peasy. But the reality is, friends, is that if we are truly and genuinely repentant, it will bear fruit in our lives. A tree, a Lord teaches us, is known by its fruit. And the only way you can bring forth the fruit, which the Scriptures tell us is good fruit, or the fruit of the Spirit, that fruit worthy of repentance, is to abide in Christ. So what is true Repentance. The verb repent carries with it the idea of of turning, physically turning, a turning in a a different direction. It is a turning from one thing and a turning towards something else. It is a turning from sin, a forsaking of sin, and it is a turning to God in confession of sin and new obedience. Repenting of sin is not just turning away from those things that you really want to do to start doing other things that you don't really want to do. But true repentance recognizes sin as absolutely abhorrent and repulsive because it also recognizes Christ as absolutely and altogether desirous and lovely Friends, remember our Lord said that the Spirit would testify of Him. Testify of Christ. Reveal Christ. Unite us to Christ. Conform us to Christ. And glorify Christ. So the true test then of the Spirit's presence in the church and in your own life is not the exercise of ecstatic manifestations or miraculous wonders, but the true test of the Spirit's presence along with the fruit that He produces in you, comes in the answer that you give to this question. What think ye of Christ? Is He little to you? Can you hear His name being taken in vain, in song and in movie and in other places, and not be bothered by it? Can you neglect feeding upon Him in the Word and not feel hunger? Can you neglect communion with him in prayer and not feel weakened? Is he not in all your thoughts and is he not the predominant subject of all your conversation? Can you sin with impunity? They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, our text says in 524. What think ye of Christ? Like the song of Solomon says, is he chief among 10,000 and altogether lovely to you? Can you say with Paul that you count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord, for whom if need be, you be willing to suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that you may win Christ and be found in Him? The distinguishing mark of the Believer from the unbeliever is that the believer possesses the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 1 that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. You have Christ's mark of ownership upon you. You have been branded. You are His. He is the one who has brought you out of bondage to sin and has made you the servant's of righteousness unto holiness, indwelt with his spirit and producing and manifesting his fruit in your life. And if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Romans 8, 9. We must ask ourselves, friends, honestly, what do we desire more? Our sin or Christ? If you say that Christ is altogether lovely, but you cannot give up your sin, then friends, you have deceived yourself, and Christ is not altogether lovely to you. Because what is the fruit worthy of repentance? It is a turning away from sin, and it is a walking in a different direction. A sinner who truly recognizes Christ as altogether desirous is a sinner that truly sees their sin as altogether repulsive. The two, Christ and sin, as our text tells us in verse 17 and 24, cannot coexist in the same heart. And walking in a different direction implies that you are now producing that fruit worthy of repentance as you walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit and in the Spirit. But friends, we must also see that our passions our passage tells us to walk in the Spirit. And walking, walking implies that repentance is an ongoing thing. It's not a, a, a one and done entrance into the Christian life and never needing to be done again because the evidence or fruit that you are in union with Christ, as I've already mentioned, is not that you live a life, a perfect sinlessness, but that your life is now characterized by a walk of ongoing and enduring repentance. But there's something else that we must not overlook in the analogy that Paul gives us in his description of the life of faith as walking. And that is that the life of faith, friends, is not a sprint. It is a long and it, a sometimes very arduous walk. And when we consider the span of our lifetimes, as the duration of this walk, then measuring our advancement on a day-to-day basis can sometimes make us think we're not making very much traction. And we oftentimes make progress by tiny and sometimes unnoticeable increments. So do not be discouraged, brothers and sisters. If you are daily repenting of sin, if you are seeking to honor the Lord with your whole life, do not be discouraged. If you think you're not making any headway in the Christian life, your progress forward is measured by your Lord. And He notices every baby step forward because it is He Himself who by His Spirit is enabling you to do so. Do not be discouraged if you've ever felt the Lord's rebuke in His Chastening over your sin. Keep walking forward. The Lord chastens those whom He loves. God chastens those who are abiding in Christ. Our Lord tells us in John 15 too, that every branch that abideth in the vine and beareth fruit, no matter how small, He prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. Pruning. Involves cutting. It involves the chastening work of cutting away sin. And it is often painful. Listen to Hebrews twelve eleven. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Abide in Christ. Friends, and bear much fruit. First, the fruit of repentance, which leads now to the fruit of new obedience. Our second heading, the fruit of obedience. If you look at the contrasting list in Galatians 5, verses 19 to 24, between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, one of the most glaring, obvious differences between them should be that the works of the flesh are all selfish and self Focused things with no benefit or good to others in fact they only serve to harm others but the fruit of the spirit is others focused manifested and used for the benefit and for the service of others and oftentimes at a cost or a denial of ourselves that as we serve one another out of love, we may build up and edify one another. It is love which is the chief of all graces and the head of our list of the fruit of the Spirit. It is love which is the governing principle, in other words, behind all the rest. Christ says in John fifteen ten and following, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And this corresponds well to Galatians five fourteen in our text, where Paul says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this thou shalt love thy neighbor. As thyself. Isn't it interesting that Paul says all the laws fulfilled in one word? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Why, Why is love to God seemingly omitted here in Paul's statement? I think because it must be presupposed. That is, it goes without saying. In other words, we are in no danger of deceiving ourselves into loving other people like we are in deceiving ourselves that we truly love God. As John says in 1 John 4.20, if anyone says he loves God and does not love his brother, it is he who deceives himself. And there's plenty of people like this around, isn't there, friends? Who, plenty of people who say that they are Christians, yet they distance themselves from Christ's body. They say they love God and yet have removed themselves from the fellowship of the saints and from the means of grace which God has appointed for their good and who have, as Hebrews 10 describes them, forsaken the assembling together of the people of God for the worship of God. The thing that unites us to Christ as individuals and to one another as his body is love. He loved us and gave Himself for us. And through the work of His mighty Spirit in our lives, we now love Him. And He tells us that the evidence or the fruit that we have, that we may know that we love Him, is that we love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if, Ye have love one to another John 13:35 It is this way because through our union with Christ the manifestation of the fruit of the spirit is the evidence of the spirit's indwelling and of Christ loving his people his brothers and ours through us In other words Christ has chosen to express his own love towards us through one another. If you belong to Christ, brothers and sisters, you cannot be without all the benefits that come through union with Him and this includes the love of Christ towards those whom He loves. This is why the Apostle John tells us whoever says that he loves God yet hates his brother is a liar. It is because Christ loves His people and that His people through union with him, share in that love that we cannot but love one another. It is an impossibility that I am in Christ and I hate you. In other words, the fruit of our obedience to all of God's commands to us is demonstrated in our love for one another. Are you abiding in Christ, dear believer? Are you bearing much fruit our text in Galatians 5, 22 to 24 of the fruit of the Spirit is an excellent gauge for you to test yourself by. Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Are you experiencing joy in your soul even in the midst of disappointments and hardships and difficult providences, still able to rejoice with those who rejoice? Do you have peace? even in the midst of contentious situations and confrontations? Do you bring peace to contention? Or are you more often the cause of it? Are you long-suffering and patient with others who even seem to want to test that patience? Are you able to give a gentle answer to those who challenge you with their anger and their wrath? And do you love what is good, Or do you despise goodness by allowing yourself to be entertained by music or movies or internet sites that promote wickedness? And do you seek the good and the benefit of others even above yourself? Are you humble or do you often see others as beneath yourself in certain things? And is your pride easily wounded? Are you temperate and self controlled in all things lawful, or are you addicted to your habits, or to food, or to internet sites? Dear friends, please know I am preaching to myself. I simply want us all to see how impossible, how impossible it is to be perfect or even excelling in any of these things, apart from Christ, apart from whom we can do nothing. Only Christ was the perfect lawgiver. But because you have been fully and completely and wholly united to Him in soul and body, your flesh and your sin has been crucified and put to death. Praise God! You are no longer under the dominion of sin but have been set free from its slavery in order that you not only produce the fruit of the Spirit but also, excuse me, the fruit of repentance but also the fruit of obedience. Abiding in Christ means you will bear much fruit. Friends, it is only It is only because Christ himself was fruitful that you too, as you abide in him, will be fruitful. Are you abiding in Christ? Does it grieve you when the fruit of obedience seems to wither? Does this not give way to the fruit of repentance? Friends, our text is bearing witness to us in verse 17 that there is a Constant war raging inside each one of us. Telling us that the Christian life is not a life of ease, but of warfare. But our fight, friends, is not against the physical flesh of others, but our own flesh. That is, the carnality which resides in our own hearts The mightiest enemy of King David was not the Philistines, but his own heart. You are either, friends, mortifying sin, or sin is having its way in you. If you are outside Christ, or if you think you are in Christ, but if you can sin with impunity, friends, if sin does not grieve you, then you are not walking in the Spirit, and I truly fear for you. A hardened heart and a seared conscience is a frightening thing. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Galatians 6.8 We are either yielding one to the other, friends, to the flesh or to the Spirit, There is no middle ground or neutral ground. There are no truces. There are no timeouts. There are no ceasefires. There is only bitter war. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. Galatians 5.17 And friends, you cannot mortify a single sin without abiding in Christ and walking in the spirit. You You cannot do anything to mortify sin or to to live a life pleasing to God, or produce any fruit at all on your own, in your own strength, you must abide in Christ. If you are outside Christ, then the Spirit does not war against the flesh because you simply do not have the Spirit. But when the Spirit takes up His dwelling in you, and you understand your sinful condition, then you begin to feel this bitter war rage. Many, I trust, If not all of you, I pray, know exactly what I'm talking about. You have, like myself, cried out to the Lord through tears to mortify the sin that continues in you, the sin that was the cause for the death of your Savior, the sin that grieves the Spirit in you, and at times has even caused Him to withdraw from you for a season. Have you ever felt the Spirit withdraw from you for a time? It's a sorrowful thing. But friends, sometimes it is the only remedy for us to see that we have allowed the flesh to get the upper hand in us and that we may repent and walk in new obedience once again. Let me ask you, has the life of fruitful repentance and obedience become wearisome to you? Perhaps you're in a season of spiritual drought. Perhaps the the walk of faith has slowed down to a near halt and you feel like you're hardly going to make it. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart, brothers and sisters. Because of your union with Christ, the fruit of the Spirit is enduring fruit. It is enduring fruit our third and our final heading, The Fruit of Endurance, and this will be much, much more brief. We must not forget that the peaceable fruit of righteousness which is produced in our lives is spiritual fruit. We considered it earlier. Just as a branch must abide in the vine to have the organic nutrients and life pumped into it to bear fruit, in that very same way you have the same spirit and life of Christ Indwelling and animating you, so that you will be fruitful. Hear the words of the Lord in John 15:16, "You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Your fruit will remain. In other words, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Brothers and sisters, you will be fruitful. It is because that you are united to Christ that the fruit of the Spirit, which is being produced in your life, it is enduring fruit. It is persevering fruit. It is not fruit which you produce on your own in the power of your own strength. It is not the fruit of your good works. Or the fruit of your own godliness, or the fruit of your best intentions, but the fruit of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit of Christ Himself, which flows out of your union with Him. Brothers and sisters, the glorious truth of the fruitfulness of those who abide in Christ is stated so beautifully in Psalm 92, which we just sang. In Psalm 92, verses 13 to 14. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit, even in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. And a similar statement is found in Psalm 1, which, Lord willing, we can sing together this evening. Speaking of the one who is blessed, who is Christ, our Savior, and by extension, all who abide in Him. As the fruitful vine, Psalm three says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall proper, prosper. Friends, it is the worthless and the rotten fruit of the works of the flesh which withers and dies. But through your union with Christ, And the indwelling of His Spirit in you, the fruit of the Spirit, which is now being produced and manifest in your life, will endure. Your ingrafting into Christ, a branch to the vine, has caused you to be as a tree planted by rivers of living water, ever flourishing, never withering, still bringing forth fruit, season after season, even in old age. Brothers and sisters, because you are in Christ, you are united to him, to the uttermost, in all his fullness, in body and in soul, in life and in death, in resurrection and in glory, elect from eternity and with him and in him forever and without end. You have not chosen him but He has chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Praise God. The vine which you are attached to is Christ Himself, the eternal Son of God. I really think that sometimes we become so familiar with hearing right doctrine and theological precision that we can we can in our fallenness and complacency become a little bit dull to some quite extraordinary truths which should cause us to gasp at how extraordinary and wonderful and glorious they truly are even the things some of the things which have been laid out and touched upon in this sermon you are united to the Son of God. And so the fruit of His life-giving Spirit, which is produced as a result of that union and abiding in Him, must endure. Even in the darkest hours, friends, of your troubled soul, wearied by the troubles of this fallen world, fear not. Fear not. You are united to an almighty Savior. You are cleaved to a divine husband who is the chief among 10,000 as his most precious and beloved bride. You are as a house built upon a solid and enduring rock. You are a fruitful branch engrafted into an eternal vine, and he has told you that you are his chosen, the God-man, The second person of the Trinity has ordained you that if you abide in him, you will go and you shall bring forth much fruit. The fruit of ongoing repentance as well as the fruit of new obedience which manifests manifests itself in greater and fuller expressions and reflections of the one to whom you are united until at last Christ is formed in you. Amen. Let's call upon the name of the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, how we thank Thee, O God, for our Savior. We thank Thee for every promise that He has given to us. We thank Thee most of all now for our, our union with Him, O Lord, how discouraged we can get. Would you please, O Lord, to lift up the head of the discouraged soul that may be here today. May you encourage, O God, those who are downcast. Remind them, O Lord, of your great love that you have for your people in Jesus Christ. And would you cause us today, O Lord, even today, to bring forth fruit, worthy of repentance, worthy of new obedience, and most of all, worthy of our Savior, that would glorify him. Cause us, we pray, O God, even as you have ordained, to go forth and bear much fruit for the glory of our Savior. We ask through his name and for his sake. Amen.